Good morning again. Galileo's head was on the block. The crime was looking up the truth. In this case, the truth was the fact that the Earth and other planets revolve around the sun in opposition to religious dogma at the time that the entire heavens circle the Earth. Most of us know of Galileo's reputation as an Italian scientist, thinker, and inventor of great renown. Born in 1564, he achieved lasting fame as the father of observational astronomy, the father of modern physics, the father of the scientific method, and even of modern science itself. Galileo's rewards for his many accomplishments came mostly posthumously through his legacy and fame, as he and his family reportedly struggled financially, and he spent the final nine years of his life under house arrest. As many of us also know, in return for looking up the truth and sharing and discussing it, he came under scrutiny and eventually trial for heresy by the ruling Catholic Church and its inquisitions. Even though other astronomers around Europe had already a uh, reached the same conclusion about the solar system, but the prevailing authorities of the day regarded such heresy as criminal and forced him to recant his assertions or face the death penalty. He reluctantly re recanted in favor of the lesser penalty, but still suffered the hardship of house arrest the remainder of his life. People often say the truth will set you free, but looking up the truth led to the exact opposite for this king of night vision, king of insight. Sadly, the 17th century Catholics were not nearly the first in the fight of science versus religion with their in inquisitional atrocities. Long before Galileo's time, the struggles of ancient philosophers and thinkers of Rome and Greece and elsewhere yeah, brought us stories of poisonings, we call Socrates, beheadings, banishments, and on and on. Spreading the truth of science and philosophy could get you in lots of trouble then and now and in between. These days, Dr. Anthony Fauci reportedly receives multiple death threats for trying to save lives with the best science available today and has been vilified by religious and political forces since the pandemic began, looking up the truth. Like Jack Nicholson's character shouted in the movie, A Few Good Men, Dr. Fauci could honestly admonish those opposing the best science we have, you can't handle the truth then and now, and in between. In the mid-19th century, controversies arose in response to Darwin's assertions on evolution and its perceived attack on the Bible's seven-day creation story. Remember the national sensationalist response to the Scopes trial in the 1920s when the state of Tennessee crafted a law banning the teaching of any uh, theory that denies the story of the divine creation of man as taught in the Bible? and to teach instead that man has descended from a lower order of animals. Personally, I often find it questionable that other animals should be classified as a lower order than man. I've had a long career in the care of animals, and I strongly agree with Mark Twain's observation that man is the only animal that blushes or needs to, but I digress. We can find many storied examples of science versus religion, but as expressed by the noted neuroscientist and author Abhijit Naskar, it becomes noteworthy and alarming that, quote, the problem is not religion or God, the actual problem is authoritarianism mixed with the desire to angrily impose one's personal, apparently idealistic beliefs on others, unquote. 
That begins to sound ominously familiar to us as you use, right? Most of us would agree that the very first amendment of our U.S. Constitution should offer us ample protection from such impositions of religious beliefs. But a number of disputes involving just such controversies continue to currently wind their way through our nation's court systems, threatening, among other things, the freedoms of our LGBTQ members and neighbors, the sovereignty of women's control over their bodies, and most recently, and of immediate effect on the nation's health, our ability as a population to enforce rules limiting the spread of the deadly and destructive COVID virus. The more things change, the more they stay the same, or so it would seem. Several states continue to pursue the teaching in public schools of alternative theories to be taught alongside that of evolution under such titles as creationism and intelligent design. When the influence of particular religions gains control of our legislatures and governor's mansions, we all remain in peril of being imposed upon. Our fourth UU principle calls for a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, which is difficult, if not impossible, when the First Amendment is ignored in favor of any particular religion. But back to the issue of this deadly pandemic. Scientific evidence sways heavily toward the use of available vaccines for all who may safely take them, giving us our best defense, not only as a nation, but as a species on this blue boat of a planet that we call home. And yet, more than 90 million, sorry, more than 90 million eligible Americans have so far refused to participate in this effort. Many also avoiding the use of masks in public spaces which helps to limit the spread of the virus, according to the best science we have today. According to the New York Times article by Elizabeth Diaz and Ruth Graham, the opposition to the vaccine, quote, is rooted in a mix of religious faith and a longstanding wariness of mainstream science. And it is fueled by broader cultural distrust of institutions and gravitation to online conspiracy theories. The sheer size of the community poses a major problem for the country's ability to recover from a pandemic. And evangelical ideas and instincts have a way of spreading, even internationally." Unquote. This article sources polling from the Pew Research Center, noting that about 45% of the 41 million white evangelicals in our country said they would not get vaccinated against COVID, quote, making them the least likely demographic to do so, unquote. These are our fellow American citizens, actively avoiding the proven actions necessary to save lives. Apparently we have met the enemy and it is us. The abortion issue has found its way into some religious opposition as well. While it is true that some of the vaccines were developed and tested using stem cells from the fetal tissue of elective abortions from some 50 years ago, no abortive tissue is being used to manufacture vaccines as has been falsely spread on the internet. And by the way, I was told by an, uh, an acquaintance that they would not take the vaccine because they would not be involved in killing babies. Where did they hear that? They read it on the internet. And now, just recently, they told me they had tested positive for COVID after falling ill along with an older member of their household, also not vaccinated. And now, I personally struggle with how to respond to news like that. 
I personally knew people who died last year from this disease. The past couple of weeks, I learned of a business associate who professed to being too lazy to go get vaccinated, then was hospitalized and intubated with a severe case. Thankfully, I learned this week that they are home, still on oxygen, and willing to speak with anyone about being a poster child for stupidly postponing the vaccine. Yes, I feel for these two who, for whatever non-medical reason, refused to take the recommended step for the best protection from the disease and to do their part to protect the rest of us. I feel compassion for their condition and pray for their return to good health, but it is hard to avoid the blame game in the process. So how do we as UUs respond to the, this science versus religion issue? After all, among the six sources our congregations affirm and promote are humanist teachings which counsel us to heed the guidance of reason and the results of science. Well, as we are well aware, the results of science is a rather fluid source of guidance. As new studies continually test theories and changes do occur. In my own lifetime, Various studies have contradicted each other in areas of nutrition, where I seem to have been on a roller coaster my whole life with just the best medical advice on the consumption of eggs for breakfast. Then there's exercise. How much is enough? How much is too much? Continually debated. And how about the scientists who developed DDT and other chemicals whose use was embraced for the good of mankind in halting the spread of disease by insects? Well, at the very least, we need to pay attention and look to our seven principles, which include the right of conscience alongside the use of the democratic process within our congregations and society at large. Let your conscience be your guide. That can be powerfully effective along a pathway toward knowledge and wisdom. As for our neighbors who disagree with us on these tough issues, we need to remember our third principle acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth in our congregations. Perhaps we could remember to enhance that acceptance to all of our religious neighbors. After all, there are many in the religious community who follow the prevailing science and are speaking up. As reported in the Times article I referenced earlier, while some Catholic bishops have expressed concerns that about the abortion linked to the vaccines, the Vatican has concluded the vaccines are morally acceptable and emphasizes the immediate danger of the virus. And only 22% of US Catholics say they will not get the vaccine. Even among evangelical pastors, there seems to be some movement toward accepting the scientific evidence. Although many struggle and sometimes face the wrath of their congregations, often due to political influences. In nearby Shepherdstown, Virginia, just across the line, Pastor Joel Rainey, who, who heads the Covenant Church there, said several colleagues were forced out of their churches after promoting health and vaccination guidelines. And that pastor's influence on their churches is waning. He said, quote, they get their people for one hour and Sean Hannity gets them for the next 20, unquote. So, would we become science worshipers, foregoing any spiritual or theistic aspects of our faith? Some of us already do, and that's fine, and perfectly in keeping with our fourth principle, affirming a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. In my own personal religious journey, I began in my grade school days where, as Arthur Clarke's reference to chance 
clearly applies. As a young child, I was sent to Sunday school every week by my mother in a small town church in central Kentucky. It was called a Christian church, an offshoot of the Disciples of Christ. Later, I attended regular services, and in my middle school years, I was baptized and officially joined that church. But I kept coming up with questions that couldn't be answered and more and more doubts about the things I'd been taught. By the time I'd reached high school, I just stopped going with no pressure at all from my mother. No small wonder, since she was always too busy to attend church herself. And then in her later years, she confessed to being an atheist. She couldn't believe in a God who would allow so much suffering in the world. Having been raised nearly dirt poor during the Great Depression, with a largely absent alcoholic father, and watching her generation face the devastations of World War II, and then later facing a nasty divorce and single motherhood with two small children by 1960, one would not be at all surprised. Myself, I wavered between agnosticism and inactive Christianity for many years, with a built-in excuse of working nearly every Sunday to keep away any temptation of rejoining the flock. But 15 years ago, in the midst of a failing second marriage and a lack of effective guideposts in my life, I felt a need for a spiritual outlet and a source for inspiration. I just couldn't look around at this awesome world and uh, believe it could all be the result of an accident. After a brief internet search prompted by some inspiring life coaching, I found myself in our little church and discovered that I'd been a UU all my life without knowing it. We're free to pursue the mysteries of life and the universe here and feel safe in the process. I found a nearly perfect quote for me in the late Douglas Adams' unfinished novel, The Salmon of Doubt, Hitchhiking, Hitchhiking the Galaxy One Last Time. Quote, the fact that we live at the bottom of a deep gravity well on the surface of a gas-covered planet going around a nuclear fireball 90 million miles away and think this to be normal is obviously some indication of how skewed our perspective tends to be, unquote. And just for the record, if ever offered the chance to hitchhike across the galaxy, I'd be on board in a heartbeat. As long as my wife says it's okay and I can be back before college basketball season starts. Not much chance of either one of those. But back to figuring out how to get along with our neighbors who disagree with us on some very serious issues. Can you ask yourself, has it ever occurred that during some contentious discussion, you have made a statement and you receive a response to the effect of, well, that can't be true because, followed by a reference to someone's personal beliefs or scripture or political leanings? Yeah, me too, a lot. And now ask yourself in a similar situation, has someone else ever made a statement you disagreed with and you answer to the effect of, well, that just isn't true because, followed by your pointing to a scientific study or your personal beliefs or political leanings? Of course, me too. Most every Thanksgiving. During my career, I've had much experience through the years of getting to know lots of folks with conservative political views and most of them espouse principles of personal responsibility, honesty, hard work, loving and supporting your family, and generosity of spirit and treasure toward their neighbors and the truly needy. And I'm on board with all of that. So I've managed to get along well with most of them, no matter their occupation or ethnicity or any other method of grouping them. 
And I've had the very good fortune of getting to know just as many across the demographics who have views, across those same demographics, by the way, who have views far more liberal, but based on those pretty much exact, exact same principles. As I've heard here at UUCL so many times from the pulpit, we all have so much more in common than that which separates us. But you wouldn't know it by watching TV news channels or social media where the political types have figured out that demonizing and separating our fellow citizens wins elections and therefore money and power. Well, that brings me to one of the treasures of being a part of this congregation year after year. And that's the good fortune of listening to lay-led services and sermons like the one Ricky Keach gave last week. I purposely left some room in my own in case I got the chance to steal something valuable. <laughs> Ricky doesn't disappoint in that area ever. And among his pearls of wisdom last week was a study showing just how far off base we liberals tend to be when estimating the hardline views of those on the conservative side and vice versa. To the point that how each side tends to feel about any issue these days is that it would be the exact opposite of something expressed or proposed by a despised leader of the opposition. Ricky reminded us to maintain compassion and respect in all of our dealings, in keeping with our principles and our covenants. We need to treat all of our neighbors with the same respect we accord each other here in this space without giving up our principles and beliefs to be sure. Sometimes we need to remain a gentle, angry people. But if we expect to promote to our fellow citizens the use of reason, we need to remember to do it reasonably. And remember that the mysteries of our place in the universe may not always be explained by science alone. As we close out this service, I'm reminded of one of my favorite quotes, variously attributed to Paul Harvey or Anonymous. Having had a long career in agriculture, it speaks volumes. Quote, humans, Despite their artistic pretensions, their sophistication, and their many accomplishments, owe their existence to a six-inch layer of topsoil and the fact that it rains." Unquote. Earlier, we heard the Indigo Girls song launch into the topic of reincarnation. Always a fascinating subject to me. Our physical bodies obviously get recycled in some way after our lifetimes. Who knows about our energy and spirit? How long till my soul gets it right? Can any human being ever reach the highest light? Well, in this, in this lifetime, I believe many of us transform ourselves, as I have, sometimes many times over. So maybe that's a form of reincarnation. The song's answer, I offer thanks to those before me. That's all I have to say. Maybe you squandered big bucks in your lifetime. Now I have to pay. But then again, it seems like some sort of inspiration to let the next life off the hook. We can all take action to help the next generation off the hook just a little, at least, by making the world just a little kinder and more com compassionate than we found it. I'll bet most of you never dreamed you'd hear so many quotes this morning from a fundamentalist minister, especially one referencing Jesus. But I close with another quote from our neighboring pastor from Shepherdstown, Joel Rainey. It is necessary for pastors to instruct their people that we don't always have to be adversaries with the culture around us. Jesus died for these people, so why in the world would we see them as adversaries? Unquote.
Why in the world, indeed? Blessed be.